0: K-A-L-W.
1: Welcome back to Uncuffed. This is Ton Tran, your favorite host you have never heard of. And for those who don't know, Uncuffed is a show made by people in California state prisons. And today we're in San Quentin, sunny San Quentin, California. And in the room with us right now, we got a couple of the fellas. Go ahead. Shout out, man, to the left.
0: I'm Greg Eskridge. What's up,
1: everyone? This is Edmund. Hello. It's Tommy Shakur Ross. Tommy Shakur Ross, the yes, phenom sir. himself. Yes, yes. And we're here for a special, special reason today. Greg, why are we here today, man?
0: Man, this is Edmund's first piece, man. You snap know, Snap it up, snap it up, snap, snap, it, up, it, man. Yeah, snap yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First man. piece. Snap it up for Snap Yes, up First man. piece. Yeah. Evan is finally getting his voice out there. Well, mm-hmm. his voice has been out there, <laughs> but he's finally getting his first story, man. Congratulations, Evan. I appreciate yeah, it. you in the room right now. Thank yeah. you so much. That's
1: right. I, I just want to say, man, this story was really good, but you look really good right now in this yeah. room, man. Yeah, he is
2: though, man. man Stop
3: flirting with me on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so go ahead, tell us a little bit about this story because I sure, know sure. we might be laughing right now, but this is a very serious piece yeah. because this is going to bring us back to 2020, right when the pandemic kicked off. Right. And we were slammed in the cell for like a week at a time, coming out to barely ever shower. And this is when people were dying left and right in San Quentin. Yeah. So this is a very serious story and it's a very serious moment. So go ahead, Evan, tell us, tell us what the story is about.
3: For sure, for sure. I totally agree with you this is a moment in in 2020 that I didn't want to forget mm. because it was so important. And I feel only one side of it was told and this gives us the opportunity to tell it from our perspective. So during, during this time period, like you said, we were locked down 24 hours a day. If we were lucky, we, we, we were getting one shower a week Um, And if you tested positive for COVID-19, you were taken out of your cell. You were marched down to the yard and housed in these makeshift tents.
1: Mm. Tent City. That's what we called it. Those makeshift. That
3: was the nickname, Tent City. And I was down there with Scott, Mm. one of the character's subjects in the piece. And... He decided to go on a hunger strike, and in asking him why, he told me that his cellie had went to the hospital. He doesn't know what's going on with him. hasn't heard anything from him, and a couple a couple of his close friends passed away. Mm. So after the year long lockdown that we are on. And we finally got the chance to come down to the studio. I brought Scott and his celly Oz to have a conversation. Scott in the pieces is the younger guy and Oz, his celly is the older one. So this is, this is a piece about one's, one
1: man's reaction to another man's circumstance. Absolutely, absolutely. During this time of not only suffering, being on lockdown, you're stuck in this tiny four by nine cell with another human being. I'm gonna just say it like this, you're gonna get to know this person really, really well. This guy is gonna be your night and day. You're gonna figure out every single thing about this person. So. Let me not ruin the story. Just, just go ahead and play. How about that? How's that sound?
3: Let's get into Let's it. Let's go. Let's
1: yep, go. Yep. All right.
4: I remember the day you showed up at my cell. And of course, you know, everybody stresses out. And it's like, oh, we're going to get a celly. I turned around and there you are standing looking at me like, are you Oz? Yep. And you just said, I'm your celly. I was like, okay, and I look up and I see this, uh, you know, chia pet hair, and <laughs> the smile was like, wow, okay, you know, this guy looks pretty cool, and he speaks English, so <laughs> that's all I speak. <laughs> and he's skinny, so I can get around him in a cell. So <laughs> rack up, dude, you know where to go. <laughs> we started going along after that first week, day for day. After that, it was just like, uh, like peanut butter and jelly, man.
5: coronavirus hit, you know, we knew that it was in the United States, um, and we'd realized that if it got into San Quentin, that it would move like wildfire. You know, the first thing I thought is, is I don't have any complications, and, you know, I'm only 40 years old, and I wasn't real concerned about myself, but I was immediately really concerned for you. So, uh, do you remember how you felt when we first learned there were cases in the prison.
4: Hmm. Scared like hell. I'm suffering from the loss of a lung from being a volunteer fireman for many, many years. I've had a heart attack, heart surgeries, the list goes on. But my main concern was, yeah, if this thing hits, and I know it's considered respiratory, but it was also affecting people's hearts. Before that, I remember us, we both kind of had fevers and we slept a little bit longer in the day and we were like, ah, and I remember one day we were like high-fiving and going, yeah, we both got over this, you know,
5: we, we made it through it. Remember that? I, th- I think you were more optimistic than I was. I, I was. I think you kept saying, I think we're through it. I think it's going to be over now. And I kept being like, bro, we got COVID. And you're like, no, nah, we're just, the flu. it's just like, the flu. You're like, think positive. I was scared. That's, that, that's the way I play off my, when I'm,
4: when, I mean, COVID has became a serious thing. Killed millions of people. And, and, you know, hindsight, but I didn't want to be one of those millions. I didn't want you to be either. I remember giving you my kids' phone numbers. Yeah. <laughs> telling them, if I end up leaving, if you get a chance to get on the phone, call and let them know that I ended up going to the hospital.
5: Yeah. And I knew that you didn't want to go to hospital at all. You didn't want to, you know, because going to the hospital means risking the loss of our property, yes. you know, um, risking potentially not having a good selling anymore, yeah. you know? These are things that, you know, you get uprooted, especially with how many guys were going to the hospital and that they were quarantining people in other units. Nobody wanted to go. Yeah. Nobody wanted to go. Guys were willing to just sit it out until they were dying. But yeah. that
4: day when I finally turned to you and I said, look, man, I got to go man down, man. I, I, can't, I can't breathe. I can't catch man, my breath. Man down, 410. Man down, down 410. Man down, 410. Four man, man down,
5: 410. Man down is what we yell when we're having a medical crisis in ourselves, and we need the guards to come get us? I knew. When I got to, uh, when the
4: CO came back to, to escort me down, uh, he said he had to take me all the way to TTA, where you go for triage. And... Uh,
5: the hospital. The, the hospital, yes, Yeah,
4: the prison hospital. And uh, on the way there, I kept stopping every 60 to 80 feet and I kept stopping and I was Take deep breaths, and I'm thinking to myself, "There's two things going on right now. One, am I going to ever come back? Is this going to kill me? Am I ever going to see my kids again? Because all I have left are my children. You know, all my my wife, my parents are all passed away. So, and I'm thinking to myself, "Man, this is this is the last thing I need." Then I get into the, the hospital here, and and the, <laughs> the nurse puts the monitor on, and she runs over to the phone and starts dialing the phone, and and uh, she comes. She's asking for an ambulance stat, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And uh, she turns around and she says, you know, you're having a heart attack right now. We need to get you out of here.
5: After you left, it was just all morning. There was alarms. Dude's leaving up out of there, alarms, and it was crazy. I thought, I was hoping, you know, Oz will be back in a couple days. Don't think negatively. And a couple days went went by. And then I started being like, damn, wow, he's been gone three days, four days. Five days. At that point, I think I think I really started thinking I wasn't going to see you again. I started thinking about other guys, a number of other men in other housing units in the prison that, you know, older have serious health complications. There was a lot of talk around the camp about what to do. There was uh, there were a number of other guys there that were really worried about their cellmates and friends and whatnot, and were just genuinely. Um, I think everybody felt like that our lives had been risked frivolous, frivolously. I just was furious, and so I, I wanted to do something, and all I could think of is hunger striking. So it was getting more serious, and some, some of the officers really understood when I started, when I was hunger striking. They, they actually, some of them were quite sympathetic. They said, we, we get it. Like, we understand, you know, why you're upset. We're furious, too. Yeah, I remember finally
4: in my final day when I was a week and a half in intensive care, they finally said, uh, we're going to send you home. When I came back, I, I was kind of kind of excited, you know, coming back home. You know, this is our home now. This is where my property is. This is where my friend is, my Sally. you know, you. And uh, when you saw my smiling face, and I actually walked in and gave you a big hug and said, man, I miss you, dog, yeah. <laughs> I miss you. Yeah. And let me tell you about what happened, you know? <laughs> and that was when I knew that there was actually a light at the end of the tunnel. And knowing that it wasn't completely over yet, because even the, 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 the side effects, the, the, the adverse reactions it did to my body, as you can tell, as I talk now, I have this like a velvety voice. Really? That's, that's COVID related.
5: You know, you mentioned um, long-term effects and like, you know, um, I mean, shoot, the short-term effects were crazy. I remember that first month was really intense though. I was honestly scared that COVID had basically altered your mind forever. It was really an emotional process for me because like I got I got Oz back kind of, like what the f- did, COVID due to my friend. It was really heartbreaking to see a man who I knew as so brilliant be, have a difficulty in understanding the fundamental mechanics of just like how to leave the cell and get to the hospital and, you know, make it to a ducket on time. And it was, it was heartbreaking. And, um, you know, the fact that you've recovered, you have recovered an enormous amount of yours. Yeah. But, um, you know.
4: Yeah, that was a, that was an experience, too.
5: I'll definitely never forget
4: the COVID outbreak in San Quentin. Yeah. Never forget it.
3: I'm happy that I was able to actually get this story finished and completed. I'm, I gl- I'm glad we have the opportunity to talk about today.
1: So absolutely, Edmund, man, I'm excited. I'm glad that you got this story. I, I just want to say for myself, when I heard this story for the first time, I felt re-traumatized. Yeah. So I want to hear some of y- some of y'all thoughts,
0: man. Yeah, this is Greg, man, uh, uh, Edmund, I just want to say it was a great story. It was um, it was it was very uh, relatable, and it was it was actually a, um, it was a sad story but it was also empowering. Mm. And when I say empowering, because the fact that you got these two people, these two individuals who living who are living together and one person is going through a tragic situation and the celly is like super supportive of them, you know, because just like you said earlier, that celly dynamic can be kind of up and down, you know, they can be kind of, you know, some people have like kind of tough experiences but to hear these two dudes talk man you could just hear the love mm-hmm. you would just hear that concern just hear that compassion mm-hmm. fighting you know just fighting for a celly like in any kind of way he could you know that was just that was just beautiful to hear bro you know that was just beautiful to hear man you was just it was just real touching real touching I real. see I see you over there Shakur nod yeah, your yeah, head yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah <laughs>
2: Yeah, man. uh, Yeah, I wanted to just just commend you for putting that story out because it it, it does provide a window into what was really going on uh, in, uh, well, actually, what, June 2020 when uh, when the pandemic hit. And so, uh, like, when you talk about the tents and all the things that it mentioned, like with the man down, like, I really think that you were able to capture the essence of what we were experiencing during that uh, tumultuous time. Yes.
1: Shout out to Scott because, man, it it is an act of bravery to go on a hunger strike in prison, man. I think there was just so much going on already, like, in regards to being locked down, like, for days at a time, like, yeah. showering once a week. Like, yeah. I literally got out. There was a period when I got out to cell once a week to shower. Yeah. Right. And the rest of it, staring at a ceiling. I'm yeah. just laying in bed, staring at a ceiling. And for him to be experiencing this heavy isolation and trauma and be like, you know what? I still got the will to fight. Shout out to Scott, man. Shout out to Scott. No, you are sure, a better man, person than sure. me.
3: Shout out to Scott. I remember just being down in the tents with him. We both have COVID. We both feel miserable. I can barely keep my food down. And he's he's in the other cot across the room from me. Mm-hmm. I just see him just like slowly falling apart. And one morning I just got up went over there, had a conversation with him like, this is a new disease that we don't know anything about. Mm.
2: Yeah.
3: Like, I understand that you you want to stand in solidarity with all the guys that are passing away that you, and also care for, but you can't do that if you pass too. Yes, you are fighting for us, but also give your body the opportunity to fight for itself by eating and getting the, the basic nutrients that it needs. Mm. Long story short, he took my advice. A couple of days later, he was like, you know what? I'm going stop to stop stop hunger striking. I'm going to take care of myself. Can we do some yoga on the yard?
2: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was
3: like, all right, bro, I got you. We could do some yoga. That's we could right. we stretch sure. and We we can try to get back in shape.
2: About how long did it, did, it, did it last, the hunger strike? If I remember correctly, it
3: was like three, four days, not eating anything. He was just over there on his bunk with his little
0: radio on listening to NPR mm. all day. Mm. Hey, but that's crazy because... Scott is, he's, Scott is already just like barely 140 <laughs> pounds <laughs> as it, it is, <laughs> as it is. And you go to hunger strike, man, I know his, I know his stomach was like shooting through his back. <laughs> I mean, but it was, it was, he was in a situation like, man, like what else can I do? Yeah, like, I want to be able to, I want to be able to do something to just show like I care. Like, you know, I mean his hands was cuffed and that's, I mean, that's commendable though. You know, that's commendable, definitely even though, even though when you do go on hunger strikes in prison, you know, it, it does, it does come with some, uh, some disciplinary <laughs> actions sometimes mm. taken, you know, you can end up with, uh, with, with, with write-ups and get sent to the hole for that, you know, but, uh, fortunately he didn't have to go through all that, but you know, Hey man, sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do. This was a this was a traumatic time. Absolutely.
3: Nah, most yeah. definitely. This is Edmund. But I remember like before I even went to the tents, just hearing man downs every day. My celly's fifty-six years old. He's an asthmatic. If he catches COVID, like it, what what is the potential that I can lose my celly? And that would just play in my head mm. every day. I would make sure that he would get up, drink water, take care of himself, not just lay in the bed all day. Like, I love having Marcelli. Like, I am I have too much energy to be in the cell by myself. Like, <laughs> 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 like I have to be talking to somebody. <laughs> so, like, one of the things that me and Marcelli did on this pandemic was every day, Monday through Friday at seven o'clock, we would watch Jeopardy. That was like, how we bonded, and man, you ain't about to get this answer.
1: <laughs> and
3: surprisingly, Marcelli is like a Jeopardy guru. Oh. Like, how do you know
0: all these answers? Gotta sign, gotta sign him up. <laughs>
3: I've been living and I got to experience, youngster. Yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't picture this horrible experience without Marcelli. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's how much I love and respect him.
0: Ace, a trip just to hear that man down. I hear I hear Scott and in in, in, in piece you hear him saying that man down and I know that's traditionally you know what we do when you know when somebody's in the cell and somebody falls out in the cell mm-hmm. goes down and then everybody start, we starts to scream right and so I just trip off how how that really brings everybody together inside of the building like for one moment like everybody's together as soon as you hear somebody say man down the next you know you hear hundreds of people start mm-hmm. screaming. To get the officers' attention, so all the medical people can come and make sure this dude gets aid, right? So it's just a trip, just like how, like, like the care, yeah. you know, that concern that we all have for each other when somebody is falling ill. Yeah. And, I, and I and I just and I just I've always tripped off that, but I don't think I tripped off of it as much as I did back during the during the outbreak, when because it was so many going on, mm. and so everybody was like falling out, like two or three, four or five times a day.
1: Yeah.
0: And you sit in the cell like, like, damn, that's, it was scary. Cause now it's like, man, like. Yeah, that was wild. Am am I next? Like, like, who was it? You know? I never
3: experienced nothing like
0: that. Yeah. And then to hear somebody go, cause you normally hear a person go man down and then somebody, oh, his back went out or something like that. But here we were hearing man downs and then a dude leave and then he don't come back.
2: Hey, I I gotta tell y'all, like, Cause I actually caught COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And it was it was interesting because uh it was during the first wave when nobody had it. So, you know, cause initially, like like I think we had even done uh we we had talked about COVID prior to us going on that pandemic. Mm-hmm. So we did we was talking about, you know, how we would fist bump and kick feet and coming up with different ways, but I know I didn't understand the seriousness of it, but yeah. but uh the officer, my tier officer came to my cell and I'm laying on my bunk, I'm on the top bunk and he says, Ross, uh, report to the cell front. So I'm like, okay. So I go to the cell front, he said, you tested positive for COVID. And then he locks the door, you know, that lock. Uh-huh. And, and when they lock the door, psychologically, because they already have the bar pulled so you can't get out the cell unless they release the bar. But when they turn the key in the lock, just psychologically, for him mm-hmm. to tell me, that I had COVID and then locked the door, mm. like it had an immediate effect on me, right? Oh, wow. I went straight to fear and panic, mm. right? Yeah. I, I just wanted to run. I just wanted to just get out of the cell, but I couldn't get out of the cell. Mm. And then I re- remembered my tools. I started breathing. Yeah. I started taking deep breaths, right? Then I started to calm down. And I said, this too will pass in my mind. Yeah. And then after that, I was cool. But it was a trip though, man, just initially for the officer just to tell me that I had COVID and lock the door.
1: I wanna ask y'all real quick, what, what were some good or bad memories during this pandemic for y'all? Y'all got any specific memories that just stood out? It was a year long of being stuck in that cell. Was there like a funny moment or, or a sad moment, like something that just stood out to you?
3: I think for me, I remember being in Tent City, not getting no letters. Like, I had no contact with anybody. And then one day, I get this letter, no no address from who, who it's from. I open it. It's, it's a drawing that says, hang in there. People care about you. You're not forgotten. Right. Darby. Like, it, it just inspired me and gave me hope. You know what I'm saying? It was cool that somebody was thinking about what I was going through. That's
1: what's <laughs> hey. Shout out to Darby, man. Yeah. Darby wrote me too,
2: man. Send me a little Shout card. out to
1: Darby. <laughs> shout out shout
3: to out Darby, Darby, right? Man. Love, yeah, love. That's, yeah. What that, uncuffed?
2: Hey, we see you. Hey, that reminds me of something, right? Like I can be, re- I can recall. Like I started getting all these J pays. Yeah. Like I was getting J pays from all kind of people, oh, right? Talking about money. Yeah, money. They were sending me money like left and right. Like, yeah. That was. I was like, okay, it was coming from people I didn't even know. It was coming from my friends. It was coming from family members. But it was just their way of being able to reach out to me and connect to me and show me that they supported me. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that as well.
1: Hey, I just want to say this, Shakur, man. I was very happy to get those J-Pays, right, (laughs) and get all that money. But the first thing in my mind was like... I've been in prison 10 years. You ain't sent me no money. Yeah. <laughs> what? All of a sudden. Like, so it took me about to die in prison. This is what it took, y'all. For sure. Uh, oh my God. Next I time, don't. let's not wait till I'm about to die exactly. to give us money, y'all. Yeah. All right. So yeah. shout out to everybody. We listening. appreciate y'all. Y'all got incarcerated people locked yeah. up. Don't wait until they're about they on their deathbed to show some love. They need love now. Yeah. Right. Hello, yeah. Cool J. I need
0: love, man. Come on. And that right. was and that was cool to see all the love, though. That, yeah, was, no, that cool was cool to see though. all the love, cool, man. man. Cause we 'Cause we damn sure need it, man. We I mean needed. we were like we were going through it, bro. We were going we like we were in a we were in a tough predicament, man. Yeah. And uh so so you know, anytime the mailman stops at the door, that's that that that's an event, a mm. treat. That's like a time of celebration Factual. to get a to get a piece of mail and then get a piece of mail with some money attached to it. <laughs> You know, the ch- you know, the cheddar always makes it more better. Ooh, cheddar <laughs> makes it better. So that's always know. a great thing, though. Hey, you ain't uh, lying. Hey, you know, Greg is and a it, cat. It, hey, you are not
1: lying, too, because during the pandemic, it's like, you know, they've taken away so much choice, right? And I've heard this from a lot of dudes. Like, everybody gained a gang of weight. There was oh, yeah. probably, like, one or two dudes who did burpees every day in the cell. Shout out to them. <laughs> I wasn't one of those people, <laughs> no. right? So, like, one of the only choices you had, really, for me, was, What I'm going to eat today Oh Right So I was Every day I was cooking up Ghetto spreads in the cell I was trying I was experimenting With seasonings and sauces And trying to make Different (laughs) foods to eat Right Because I ain't had nothing to do I was like I might as well try to come. You became a chef
0: Over the pandemic Chef (laughs) Todd how much weight Did you gain
1: (laughs) I I gained like 30 pounds Yeah Yeah I went from like 157 160 around there All the way to 190 something Damn I was a oompa loompa. Everybody was <laughs> like, bro, what happened? I was like, I don't know what happened, man. I was eating oh. good. The Twinkies was too good. Man, <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you, I couldn't say no. I appreciate the good energy, man. I loved it. I'm excited about Edmund's first story. So yeah, I just want to wrap it up, man. Let's let's hear some final thoughts. Let me pass it to my left, Greg. What are some final thoughts about this piece and this pandemic?
0: Yeah, man. For one, I'm glad that it's uh I'm glad that they came with the, you know, with the with the vaccines, the booster shots. I'm glad that, you know, we all starting to get back to some sense of normalcy. Edmund, I'm proud of you, bro, as always. You know, you always have something fire to say. I'm glad that you uh you got your first piece out. You know, it's a great story. Um, I'm looking forward to the next one that you got going on. But yeah, man, I'm just I'm just glad to be back in the circle with the fellas again. Shout out to my boy Nate. We went home, oh, you, know, Nate, you know. Nate, you know, is out there free. So, you know, it's hey, so we hey, so, so it's us four, you know, uncuffed is is, is slowly, but we slowly uncuffing, uh-huh. you know. We are <laughs> and people <laughs> yeah, are starting, yeah, we all starting to go home. So, uh-huh. you know, so yeah, man, I'm just uh like you say, Tom just glad to hear the energy. Glad to be back with the fellas. And let's hopefully we can stay off this lockdown so we can keep it, continue to produce more pieces. For mm-hmm. sure. Passion on to you, young Edmund. This Edmund. I appreciate all the
3: love and support. But Oz and Scott did an excellent job of just highlighting their story and and the love and and support that they had for each other and I hope that the audience can really take that from this piece.
1: All right, y'all, before we end, I want to go ahead and read off the names of the folks that passed During this COVID pandemic here at San Quentin So I'm going to go ahead and go down the list Let's start with Richard Eugene Stightley Joseph Saffirino Cordova John A. Stephens III Scott Erskine Manuel Machado Alvarez Dwayne Michael Carey Gerald Edward Johnson Joaquin Diaz, David John Reed, Daniel Ruiz, Francisco Ramirez, Daryl A. Gott, Jeffrey J. Hawkins, Troy Ashmus, John J.B. Beams, Sivrin Whitney, Eric E. E. Williams Warner, Joseph C. Townsell, Johnny Avila, Orlando Jean Romero, Pedro Pete Arias, Ralph Ruiz, Corey Saunders, Alan Biesel, Gilbert Bobby Palanco. Gary, Michael, Mike Mado Michael Hampton, John Spanky Brown. Thank y'all for listening. You can find Uncuffed on the radio at KALW 91.7 FM at weareuncuffed.org or you can subscribe to Uncuffed in any podcast player join our community on social media by following weareuncuffed the Uncuffed crew at San Quentin is Golden Greg Eskridge Tommy Shakur Ross Edmund Richardson and me, Tom Tran thanks to the team at KALW Public Radio we got Nina, Gensler, Devs Angela Johnston, Sonia Paul, Andrew Stelzer, Ben Trefney, Eli Werschafter, and our sound designer, Eric Maserati E. Apricombi. Shout out. Our theme music is by David Jossi and thanks to the staff at San Quentin who make this possible, Mr. Skylar Brown, and Lieutenant Robinson who approved this episode. We fact-checked everything to the best of our ability, Uncuff gets support from the California Arts Council and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Thank you for listening. This is Tom Tran.
2: Where is the best place for music discovery in the Bay Area?
3: How you feel? How you feel? How you feel? 25 sitting on 25 mil, uh, I'm in the building and I'm feeling myself. Rest in peace, Mac Dre. I'ma do it for the bay, Okay.
2: You don't need to go any further. KALW's 14
1: DJs have you covered. Weeknights and weekends, right here on KALW, 91.7 FM and KALW.org.